just met someone and the conversation leads to the inevitable question. So, what do you do? A simple question calls for a simple answer. But what if your answer is never simple? What if your answer defies the societal norms? What does career happiness mean to you? This show dives into convention-breaking career choices, uncovering narratives of working professionals, and creating a space for those who wish to pursue their passion. This is So What Do You Do? Welcome to So What Do You Do? Today in the studio, we have Alex Fine. So Alex, what do you do? I, hi, um, <laughs> I'm the CEO and co-founder of Dame Products. Uh, we make toys for sexual well-being. And yeah, that's, that's kind of the, the really, really short version of what I do. Awesome. Awesome. So just to back it up a little bit, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I am 30 years old. I'm originally from Long Island, and I wanted to be a sex therapist for a long time. Actually, when I was in college, I one had a radio show, so Ooh. Nice <laughs> very cool. And I had a minor in art, a minor in women, gender, sexuality studies. I did a business program, which was kind of like a minor, and um, I majored in, in psychology and thought I wanted to maybe be like a sex therapist or something. And I remember my mom being like, why are you taking all those other things? Like, what are you doing? Like, those don't go together. But... Turns out they they do, yeah. you, you know. Like I really took the art degree and sexuality and psychology. It all really now makes sense for me in business. Mm. But then I got my master's in clinical psychology at Columbia University. Mm. I was you know pursuing that path and ultimately decided I really wanted to get out in the world. After getting my master's, I worked in consumer goods. I loved being out in the world and helping a startup and feeling like I was making impact and really helping. I like, really enjoyed that experience and then thought to myself, like, okay, how can I take my passion for passion and still do that, but maybe, you know, in the form of entrepreneurship instead of becoming a therapist. And then I started having ideas for businesses. And then I started having all these, like I had a little book and I would just write down any idea I had because I decided I really wanted to start my own business. And I, mostly they were like dating app ideas or sex toy ideas mm -hmm. or a lot of dating apps. And I was working in shampoo. So something tactile, there was something about that that really resonated for me. And I felt like there was no, nobody in the space making these types of products that I loved using and were a part of like, you know, my routine in, in some ways, but none of them really felt like they were designed for me and the way I experienced them. So it really seemed like there was a hole in the market that I could fill mm. and um, started working on Eva, making it like with a bunch of an art supply store. I took apart other vibrators, had friends come over, try it out. Then I met my co-founder. Oh. Yeah, my friends were really great <laughs> friends. <laughs> um, and my co-founder went to MIT for mechanical engineering. Mm. We met and decided to partner up. Launched on Indiegogo, raised a half million dollars on oh. our first crowdfunding, and then now we're a business, and we make sex toys, and it's amazing. That's amazing. I love your personality. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say are three adjectives that you would use to describe yourself? I would say I'm plucky. Um, <laughs> it's one of my favorite words. It really, you know, it's funny because it depends on who you ask. You know, I think I'm, I think I'm plucky. Somebody, I, I think I'm really, really honest. I think I'm loving, like I really do, 
I'm really friendly. I'm very, like, I'm very extroverted Mm -hmm. until, like, I need to shut myself in a room (laughs) and, like, hide. But I'm really friendly, Mm -hmm. which I think is interesting when you're a woman in the way that relates to your sexuality. And and my friendliness has definitely been... It's it's caused me some problems with me sometimes. (laughs) That's awesome. So what made you want to concentrate on sexual health and sex therapy? I think that, you know, it starts from just, you know, being born into this body and having Mm -hmm. a vulva and a vagina. And then when it comes to sexuality, there's just, you know, I think that's where you first start to feel the way the world treats people differently based on like their physical form. I mean, I think I was just always really friendly. And when it came to interaction and loving interactions and when I learned what sex was and relationships and movies seemed really interesting and powerful to me. Mm -hmm. Like when I was six years old, my principal who was a woman and I really genuinely think that that she meant this actually like in an honest way she was like oh Alex is the class seductress and I was six um (laughs) and I do I think that there is some truth in that um because I love relationships and I wanted to be friends with people and the way you were friends with boys I was mimicking what I was seeing in the world probably Mm -hmm. and I don't know I also went to a drag queen party when I was six and Mm -hmm. met people who had a wide range of gender expression and I explained that to my show and tell class after that weekend yeah. and I got in trouble and mm-hmm. you know my they called the principal and my aunt who brought me to the party got in trouble but for me it was a really eye-opening experience and I now realize like how powerful it was to be exposed to that um, and I think that also really got me interested in what's this like how come there are things in the world that seem perfectly loving and safe why, why do we have such a problem with that? Mm. And then I went through puberty and got horny, even hornier. I think I was horny, though, when I was before <laughs> puberty. I don't know. People don't like talking about that. But I think that was my experience. I was slut-shamed. I was really interested in boys. And ex- we were just exploring sexuality. Mm-hmm. But felt like, based on some of my earlier experiences, like I, I needed to have a boyfriend in order to explore those desires. Mm. Um, I was really trying to do it in the bounds of what was okay of society and starting to feel that those rules harder. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it just kept on, like all of those things just drew me to, to want to talk about this. Like yeah. my art was about sex. Right. And then I realized I wasn't a good enough artist. And then I loved psychology. I love math. Mm-hmm. So I loved the math and psychology too. And I just wanted to talk about sex. And whenever I talked about it, people were so excited and wanted to talk about it too. Like mm-hmm. I just felt the world pull me there Mm. yeah you talked a lot about like kind of cultural pressures and maybe social pressures Mm -hmm. but can you expand a little bit on maybe the reaction for people when they hear this is what you do like this is the company that you started Mm. yeah so usually I, I, I often get like a what like just did I like a double take kind of just repeat that again that happens often, mm-hmm. even though I'm like, I'm pretty sure I'm being clear. <laughs> um, and then people think it's fascinating. Almost always people want to know more and they're interested. And I can start talking about the most boring aspects of the business. But all of a sudden, like shipping and customs is like really cool. You know, <laughs> like people love talking about it and are think it's interesting. I can tell, though, that actually where the conversation is sometimes the most challenging is maybe in mixed gendered spaces especially you know some some older men I think are do feel uncomfortable seeing a young woman very casually and openly talk about sex Mm 
Mm. That seems, I think the world is a little confused right now about like, okay, we're moving towards like being more liberal in sexual conversations, but like also like we need to not sexually harass people. Mm. And that doesn't sound confusing to me, but apparently that's confusing to other people. Right. Why do you think there is such a social stigma on female sexuality, do you think? There's so many factors. I think it does have to do with, like, patriarchy, capitalism, like, even land ownership and, like, agriculture. And, like, because I think that's tied into, like, the way we form our society and the way we move value and money through society, which ultimately gets mostly filtered through men. And I do think that it also has something to do with, of course, like, the evolutionary aspects of women getting pregnant, which is you know i get it's almost like just not really the case anymore like sex and reproduction of course are will always be really beautifully tied together but we don't need to continue to treat sex like the way we would treat it 200 years ago mm-hmm. before the pill and iud and all of these the advent of you know medical technologies mm-hmm. so i think it's a lot yeah it takes time for culture to change mm-hmm. um i wish it would change faster sometimes why do you think people are often embarrassed or maybe hesitant to talk about sex toys and whether they purchase them and use them? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think there's certain elements of our personalities that we hold more intimately. Mm. You know, it is real. it's so beautiful to see somebody's sexual expression, you know, and to really when you get to have sex with somebody and you experience that, it it's special because... It's intimate, and it's not for the world. It makes sense that we don't always want to talk about our own experiences and that we want to maybe save those. I also think that that's problematic and that we sh- I really encourage people to explore figuring out ways of talking about sex. Maybe it's not your own personal experience, or maybe it is yours. I, I haven't found that talking publicly about it makes my actual experiences of it any different Mm -hmm. this is my reality and being able to express my reality in a way that doesn't make other people uncomfortable that we can all comfortably understand is safer like that's a safer reality Mm -hmm. I think talking about sex and sexuality in terms of educational purposes or maybe like expressing oneself is another way of looking at it instead of you know being publicly ashamed to discuss about your own personal experiences Yeah. yeah yeah So we kind of want to talk a little bit more about Dame Products. Yeah. Um, what was it like starting this business by yourself at first? Mm. Oh, at first it was really weird. Um, you know, it, it, get, it gets so much realer when you have a partner. So I was working at another job while I started this business. And I felt, you know, it's silly. Like you're half joking and then you're trying to take yourself seriously. And I told my dad about the idea. And he was like, well, you should talk to a patent person. It's like, mm. props dad. Like, <laughs> that was validation. I probably yeah. didn't even realize it at the time. Mm. And then he put me in touch with this this lawyer that does IP work who also, like, and these were my first two more business experiences. That And this was also, like, now I look back on it, I'm like, I had no idea. I didn't realize the power of what this woman was doing for me. She had, she worked at this huge IP law firm called Fish and Richardson. And they had an entrepreneurship program where they would do the IP work for free and then you had to pay it back later. And it was actually a more expensive law firm, but it was still like it. um, I I told her the idea. I came in with like these handmade vibrators that I had made by hand (laughs) in a bag, like a plastic bag. And the, the office was just 
glass, like, you know, over looking over the Boston Harbor. It was, like, just this beautiful, very serious, fancy law firm. And I'm, like, a bag full of handmade vibrators. <laughs> and I, like, throw them on the table. And I'm, like, this is what I'm trying to do. I didn't have, like, a pitch deck. I didn't have anything. It was, like, one of the first times I was explaining the concept of Eva to somebody that I didn't personally know. And they are like, yeah, this is a great idea. Mm-hmm. And we're going to – you're in the program. Wow. So – that's what that was like. I was really blessed to have some early validation because I got a lot of rejection later. And then when I met my co-founder, that's when things like really, I feel like, picked up. That's so cool. Yeah. When looking at your website, one of the interesting things and aspects of Dame Products is kind of the minimalistic aesthetic mm. of the pictures, of the layout. And we were wondering, what was the reasoning behind this kind of pleasing but minimal way to market your product? I think that there's something about minimalism that sometimes, though not always, does feel like it lends itself better to design. So I think that we have have seen like just a general movement towards minimalism in some ways. But I really, for us, I don't want to be packaging sexuality. I want to be packaging a tool that helps you like explore your your sexual well-being, but mm-hmm. kind of like your whole self as well. We didn't want to tell you what it meant for to own this product, except for whatever it means for you, and that you have every right to own it and that it's a valuable toy Mm. so i think keeping it minimal and simple and we try to keep it also feeling like fresh and human so it doesn't feel too medical those are kind of the things we want to do i'm a much more unapologetic like in your face feminist but as a brand you know that's not what we're trying to do we want everybody all across the spectrum to feel like they can feel comfortable on our site Mm. you know i want my mom and my grandmother to feel great there so sometimes that means you know we do kind of have to tone it down i feel like it's kind of disappointing i guess that's why i didn't want to say it but it's true too and i think it's effective and it's Mm -hmm. helpful and once people are in the door you know we can continue to talk to them Mm -hmm. and i think that that is a really effective and compassionate way of making change through capitalism which is not what you normally see that's like one of the things that stood out to us on the website is yeah. the way you portrayed the products in terms of like a very artistic way. I thought that was really interesting. I think yeah, it also, uh, yeah, <laughs> it also plays in with your art background in college mm-hmm. too as well. And psychology. And psychology I mean, I like yeah. think like I think marketing is really amazing. Mm-hmm. We, Amy and I'm gonna, get, the world is an illusion. You know, like <laughs> we create and design things, and that's kind of tells you how and why to interact with something and I feel like that's something Janet and I really immediately kind of bonded over she's she's the engineer but you know engineering really is design and design really is engineering in so many Mm. ways blessed to have her cool so we were kind of curious what does the process look like you know from research to final stages of releasing your sex toy line it looks crazy (laughs) i'm gonna like present it like it's totally like organized (laughs) and it is actually i think we are pretty organized different products are different and we always like to kind of just start by setting our intentions like what is the goal and purpose of either this market research sometimes products start in market research or What's the goal of this specific product we want to make? So like Evo was really kind of based on a hunch and it came from research. So that one, you know, we knew that we want to help humanity evolve its relationship with sex and sexuality and to, you know, encourage knowledge in that space. And one of the clear deficits we see is between vulva owners and penis havers. Vulva owners don't seem to have as much sexual pleasure. It seems to be like 
I think we're starting to talk more and more about it, but there's no formal education around the importance of clitoral stimulation as for, for pleasure. Mm-hmm. And we see often like penetrative sex cl- with a, both people climaxing in, in media. And so we wanted to tackle that problem by kind of creating a product that provided clitoral stimulation in a hands-free way that can be worn during penetrative sex. So that one kind of came from research and knowledge and like a hunch. Then Finn, our finger vibrator, we decided we really, after getting feedback from Eva and partners, we wanted to make something that was a little bit more engaging. Partners wanted to hold the product and touch each other Mm. kind of with it. So we decided we wanted to make a finger vibrator. So then we sat down. We had our intention of making a vibrator that enhances touch. Mm. We did research, talking to people about what that means to them looked at all the products that kind of do that already and tried them all. Mm -hmm. And then we started brainstorming. We designed a bunch of different concepts and made really scary, like, versions of them to kind of just mock it up. Like, what would this be like? Had some people on our floor at that time just, like, come in and try them. Uh, It was, like, the beginning of what is now Dame Labs, I guess. From there, you know, we narrow it in, and that's when Janet really, and, and now team, really put in the engineering efforts to design, pick the motor, you know, make all these choices. We make them in-house. Then we send out that product. I feel like Finn hit about 75 trials of, of different mm-hmm. real couples um, mm-hmm. trying out the product. And then we go to manufacturing. Wow. That's so cool. And we can yeah. see how successful that's been for you in the, you know. Yeah, I wish we could do it faster, though. <laughs> um, but to talk a little bit about the market for this, why do you think there is such a market? Why do you think people are looking for these types of products and buying them? I mean, I think humans want to expand their experiences. So I think there is a market for, we mostly enjoy having sex or want to enjoy having sex. I think women are more and more claiming that desire for themselves. I think men have probably had that claimed for a longer time. And then I think, you know, why use a toy over just, you know, your hands, which are fantastic. They allow, toys can allow you or tools can allow you to touch parts of your body that you normally couldn't touch, create some sensations that you couldn't create on your own. And I would argue that like, it's just such a human desire often to try new flavors, to experience virtual reality. I think it's just about a desire kind of to expand our experiences. And I think that is, and it's also, by the way, for a lot of, for a lot of vulva owners, Using a vibrator is the only way they've been able to achieve orgasm. I hate saying achieve orgasm, but like find a truly orgasmic experience. That's a little Mm -hmm. less goal oriented. I I have theories on why that is. You know, I wonder if maybe growing up and not being encouraged to masturbate and touch yourself makes it harder when you decide that you want that desire to find that desire in your body. Um, There isn't much research that is like capable of proving that from what I've known. Awesome. That's so cool to listen and hear about the careful considerations that you take into creating your products. Mm -hmm. I think you're considering carefully all the needs and the wants of, you know, not just women, but people with different gender expressions. Yeah. Yeah, just the intentionality as well as passion put together just makes for such a great product. And it's no wonder why you're so successful with this. I guess I would also then on that note just say we really just try to start all of our projects with setting intention Mm. by like what's our purpose and what's our goal. And I really do think it's just that simple sometimes. I also sometimes one of our goals is to not go over budget. You know, we all Mm. make, you know, we're not 
you know, it is a business. We, there are resources and we do have to make tough decisions and strategize intentionally. Another amazing aspect of Dame Products is your company's collaboration with RAIN, uh, which stands for Rape, Abuse, and Incest International Network. Can you give us a little bit more of information about this partnership? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we love getting to, to give back. You know, I think when we very first started and launched our Indiegogo campaign, we actually first started by supporting organizations that helped prevent general mutilation. That was kind of where we started. And then the past two years, we've kind of, when we've come together and been like, all right, who do we want to support this year? It's been rain. And I think for us, you know, with Me Too, with mm. just, I mean, the Kavanaugh trials were happening when we were talking about it, and, and that just really fe just felt so needed still. You know, when you're getting out of that experience, when you're getting out of this world, it's just, I don't know, it's, mm. it's really hard, and there's not a lot of support, and I mm. think that these organizations are doing amazing things and ultimately have, like, the same mission we do. Mm -hmm. um, so we want to, every now and then support however we you know outside of just like ourselves and our organization definitely mm -hmm. um i want to ask actually what was the origin story for the name dame products mm. so when i first met janet i thought the company would be called eva that was like the name i had kind of you know decided on but it was really for the product but i i just hadn't considered you know i thought maybe it would just be like you know eva one and i i, I didn't I hadn't considered the full brand architecture yet, and Janet was just like, I really think we should create something together, and let's start and, like, pick a new name, you know, uh, um, for us, and we'll <laughs> name the product Eva. And uh, we sat down, and for, like, a few different sessions, like, just brainstormed words that kind of, like, riffing off of anything that had to do, really, with, like, vulva sexuality or having a vagina we just made this huge huge list and we would go through it and dame was i think originally on like a list of like words that mean women mm -hmm. which now like looking back on it, it was like oh there's you know broad city uh there's broadly i feel like dame and broad have a similar sense uh, but what really stuck out to us about dame was that all the other words on the list had these like really pretty sounds like 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 eva Mm. or like Ella, Lola, you know, like feminine in like their sounds as well. Mm -hmm. And I think we came back to Dame because we didn't like it at first. And then we were like, oh my God, we don't like it because it's different, but it still means woman and it's so strong. It's like, it's an honor to be a Dame. Mm. It's also not, like you could be a Dame, you know what I mean? There's different <laughs> ways to be a Dame. It has all these like language meanings that we thought were really cool and fun. And... I, I guess it just stuck, and we really liked it. Mm. It looks pretty. Wow, it's so cool to hear your progress from starting it just from scratch. And then one of the many achievements that we want to highlight is you were in Forbes 30 Under 30. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. <laughs> what was that experience like? That was a... <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so here is the experience for me. I had seen some other friends accomplish that goal or... Um, be bestowed that award <laughs> and it seemed like it was it really held weight in the world we all find that award we validate that award. I was impressed by it I, I also have been really blessed to have other friends who are entrepreneurial who did really impressive things a little bit before me 
which made me be like, oh, I can do that. Like, they're doing that. Like, I knew them in college. Like, I saw them do a kickstand. Like, if you know, like, they're doing it, like, I can do it. Um, and I decided I wanted it. And I called up the PR team that I, we work with and expressed that desire. I said, I think this would be really good for me and help validate, you know, our space and, and me. Mm. Um, I think anything I can do to get other people to give me stamps of approval, you know, like, those are great. They're also because um, then I, I got it mm-hmm. and it's awesome you know it's amazing and you post it and everybody posts it and then everybody thinks it's amazing and you know and then they you know try to sell you conference tickets and like shirts <laughs> and then you know like it's just now it's a community that I'm a part of remember when Jerry Seinfeld like accepted an award once and also talked about how silly the award was but how also it was like an honor to get it I totally understood that speech when I got it because I realized oh my god people are so impressed I, like, really went after it. Like, you know, like, the people who get... There's so many... It's not actually... First of all, it's not 30. It's, like, 600 people. And it's definitely not, like, the best 600 people. It's mm-hmm. the 600 people that really applied themselves and tried. And then that it's still an amazing award. It's just... Like, go after it. Like, you can get that award, too. Something about, like, knowing it's an illusion is also good. I think that leads right into the next question I had. Just how do you define career happiness? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a great question. I mean, I am privileged in, in a lot of ways. Because I, I would definitely think that, I, I want to say, you know, money. I think making money is really important. And you want to feel like you can support the things you do really want. I, I also encourage people to make sure, like, value the right things. Like, I think it can be challenging if you start valuing everything and you just want mm-hmm. everything. Um, but really, it's just like following your passion and feeling good about what you're doing. It feels so good. Like, YOLO or whatever. Like, you're living this one life. You're going to impact the world. And you are going to impact the world. Mm-hmm. Like, that's definitely going to happen. So it's just how do you want to impact it and how do you want to be compensated for that impact? And, and I feel like, one, it has been easier to strike that balance because of, like, my parental support and now and then I, I had a partner, too, who I lived with and now I'm married to that's also, you know, like, that's been helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are things worth recognizing, too. Cool. I think that's such wise, wise advice. And... <laughs> I just snorted when you said I was wise. <laughs> We're really learning a lot from you. Yeah. And just being a business owner, maybe do you have any advice for someone who, you know, is unfulfilled with their job or maybe they want to aspire to become a business owner, but they're just afraid to do so? Yeah, okay. I have a few thoughts, which is one, I don't think, I'm not, like, I am really fulfilled by my job and I feel really great, but there are a lot of days where it sucks. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of days where, like, something just isn't going our way. Somebody's decided to shut down our ads. Like, we're often on a lot, like, that's generally, that's a big annoying thing that's kind of outside of our control. You know, sometimes the quality from the factory isn't what we wanted and it means we don't have as much product to sell. I'm like, sometimes it just sucks. And so there's that, like, you know, like no job is going to always feel like perfectly fulfilling all the time. I I don't think that Mm -hmm. a work is work. And that's why someone pays you to do it a little bit. And I think that there's so many ways to feel fulfillment. I think a lot of people get fulfillment out of like just accomplishing a task can be fulfilling, even if it's not like this huge grand mission, like helping people get mortgages or helping people you know what I mean? Like, there's so much, there can be so much value in, like, more, maybe some more of the mundane things. Mm-hmm. And to, like, maybe see that within your job. Like, look, 
within. And then also, though, if you really do want to start another business, you really want to start a business, like, one, no, it, it's going to have other things that suck about it. Yeah. Like, like escapism, like this idea that you're going to quit your job tomorrow and run away to Hawaii or whatever. Like, mm -hmm. that's just, like, not a reality, really. Worrying about, like, it's just so much responsibility and you feel that weight in your body. And I'm a really low, anxious person and I've had nights where I couldn't sleep, you know? Mm -hmm. So be aware that it's not, I don't think it is for everybody. But if it is what you want to do, like, figure out what you can do. Figure out what you need in your life. Figure out if you can leave your job or if you can get a part-time job and take a small bite. Like, figure out what that first step would be for that business and your passion and, like, go for it. When you're doing something, when you're part of the creative process, yeah. you get, it's so easy to get stuck. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's something Janet's really amazing. And I'll be like, well, what if we fix this? What if we fix that? She's like, if we want to get it done on time, mm -hmm. we need to move forward. Yeah. And that is an important skill set. Right, and putting your own, like products is sort of like putting yourself out there and being very yeah. vulnerable because mm -hmm. you're prone to all of these like criticisms from other people and yeah. you know that's like if that's the thing that you're passionate about it'll definitely affect you deeply yeah. I yeah. Think. when you're so involved in a creative process and you are the one creating anytime you put anything out there it doesn't feel like an attack on the brand it feels like an attack on you at mm -hmm. times so. well i would say though it's not though you know in some ways it is in some ways it isn't some of the best advice i got when i first started the business was not to let my ego and the business get intertwined. One, I try not to, like, have an ego, period. But also, like, the success of the business or when someone says something about the business, they're not talking about me. And it's interesting because I do really try to put my face out there as the face of the brand. And, and I mean, Janet and I, um, because... I think it's important to see women doing what we're doing to help people understand that what we're doing is valid and deserves the same opportunities as any other company because mm. we're not. And then sometimes it is like sometimes it is a little personal, but they don't know me. Don't take anything personally. Mm. Like when people are saying something about you or saying something, you have no idea what's going on in their head. And it's probably mostly about them. I think that's great. That's yeah. great. I genuinely love interviewing people who've had experiences because I take in all of this advice and really like go forward with my life. So thank you for all of your wise yeah. words and uh. <laughs> advice. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much, Alex, for sitting down with us and sharing your story and your journey. Welcome to The Debrief, where we discuss our own perspectives on the interview and apply some of our own experiences and background to the conversation. So, wow, don't you just love her bubbly personality? Yes, so she much. She's so cute. <laughs> and like, she was like almost as tall as us, and that's so rare. Yeah. Um, yeah, for reference, I mean, <laughs> she said small girls can do anything. Yes, it's so true. <laughs> so, what'd you think of the interview? I thought she had some great things to say. Mm -hmm. I think what's so cool about her is that she uses her job as a platform to kind of open up discussion and discourse for something that really doesn't get a lot of media attention or airtime. Yeah. I think it's just so cool to have someone so honest and open and it's really refreshing to just see her um, be truly passionate about everything that she's talking about but also open up these modes of discourse and um, conversation like literally starting conversation you know through being on the podcast mm. of like female sexuality and how that can be manifested through her work which is through Dame Products. Yeah yeah 
And I think one thing that struck out to me was when she was talking about being in Forbes 30 under 30 for Dame products. You know, we always have these accolades that we strive for in life. But the humility that Alex has on the accolades and their value and how it's not necessarily as amazing as we imagined it to be. I think it's a good way to understand that you can strive for the highest achievements in your field to get you going and to direct your motivation, but to make sure that you value the right things in life. And one thing that she mentions is the way you impact other people, no matter how large or small the scale is, is truly one way that you should value your work ethic. Yeah, I think you're kind of talking about just how... It, was it when she talked about how a lot of people do jobs that we see as mundane, but really, yeah. when we think about it, they're so important. They're such valued jobs mm-hmm. and valued workers. And anyone who thinks that they're in a job that maybe is not as valuable, I think we need to all take a step back and realize that every job out there has its purpose and does have value and does have contributing factor. Yeah, and on the opposite side of that spectrum, she also brings us back to reality that even if you truly love your job, and it's your dream ideal job, there will always be days when you're feeling down. Like Simply, work is work and it does not always ultimately fulfill you, but you can get the most fulfillment even in the simpler things that you discussed about. That was something that resonated with me too, just because she really opened up to the reality of the situation. I think so many people try to cast a rosy light on things that they do or maybe the industry that they're in, Mm -hmm. but in reality, just all work is work and there's a reason people get paid to do it and not all the labor is free not only for financial stability but also for the fact that you are asked to do things that maybe are not as fun and not always happy but you know that's the part about finding something you like to do because you could like it in spite of I think the hardships and trouble that come with it yeah and one really really inspiring thing that she said was don't take anything personally because it's about your brand not yourself as Mm. a person and to recognize this is to push your ego aside as she mentioned you know i think it might go the same to you too but i'm always nervous to release my projects that i've created and held so dearly like even our podcast episodes before we air them i always feel anxious as to what people will say but i have to know that if they give us constructive criticism it's about the work and how we can improve on the work and it's not necessarily something against us or a demeaning factor against who we are as people so to be able to push that ego aside i think is one important thing that i didn't really consider before talking to alex so guys if you want to find out more about alex and her work check out dameproducts.com if you want to find out more about this program or listen to previous episodes check us out on spotify or soundcloud at so what do you do or on our instagram at swdyd podcast if you want to get to know us more, follow us on Instagram at Arnell Ariana and at It's Just Joanna. Thank you so much for tuning in to So What Do You Do? I'm Joanna Yamakami. And I'm Arnell Ariana. Join us again next week for another episode. Bye!